Hi, I'm Mitch Gasbrick, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com podcast number 86. Today I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, Daryl Manchalenko, and today we have a very special guest, Winnipeg Hockey Talk's own, Scott Campbell. How you doing, Scott? Very well, Mitch, thank you. Uh, nice to be on with you and Manny, and uh, since I enjoy listening to the pods, it's nice to be a part of it now. That's Welcome back, Scott. Thanks, Manny. Sorry I missed you last time. <laughs> I'm sorry too, but my pocketbook's better because I owed you a lot from the <laughs> previous trip, so away we go here. <laughs> Mine's thicker. <laughs> okay, well boys, uh, Jets are 36-19-4 after a very ho-hum last week with a, a win, a tie, and a loss. And, uh, you know, it wasn't so much, you know, three points in three games. It is what it is. It was kind of like the way we played and more so who we lost to. Um, not that there's any easy games in the National Hockey League. And the way the Jets are playing right now, no game is easy. Um, just your overall thoughts, Scott. Uh, you know, our, you know, they always say your, your, your record is what it is, but we've seen the warning signs coming for a while. And now that the special teams, specialty teams have kind of gone dry, uh, uh, our warts are really being uh, unmasked, aren't they? Yeah, we're a very average team right now, uh, Mitch, as far as I'm concerned, it's uh, it, it, because of, it's, we're re- basically reverting to our five-on-five play that's been going on all year long, which is just hanging in there as very, very average. Uh, you know, you, you want to look at Corsi, I think they're halfway, about, uh, just a little less than 50%, but you're still sitting about halfway through the league. You want to look at other numbers, you know, some get a little better, but everything's kind of really, uh, we're lucky we get some high danger chances and we've got some great shooters that got us through uh, a lot of those games that were very tight and I know where I was probably complaining a little bit of not complaining but pointing out that you know like this five on five play isn't good and that's a really good predictor for future success but I was getting shut down by people saying you know well, well two points is two points and I agreed I'm, I'm always happy with the two points but uh, like we were saying earlier uh, before the cast uh, you know th- th- we were exposed right now because the power plays st- dried up the penalty killings got worse uh, now, if it's if we don't get great goaltending and uh, some superstar at the end stepping up, uh, you know we're, we're in problem. We've got major problems. So uh, you're still you're you're when you play the Ottawa Senators and lose to them twice, and you can't say that the, they deserve to win. They maybe uh, the Ottawa game they had a lot more shots, but the certainly that was a Ottawa jumped to a big lead too. So you can talk about score effects and a lot of things like that. Uh, I looked at that Montreal game, and I think we all wanted to throw up after that because that should have been 10 or 12. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's Hellebuck standing on his head, giving up five. So these things have been in the, in the works. And I, you know, I'm not emotionally tied to them, thankfully, or I wouldn't be sleeping at night because it, it is February. But uh, it, we haven't seen what we saw last year, where we saw those. You know, we got on a, maybe a 20-game run in November and December last year, where the team was smoking. Just coming out with four lines rolling, and then they got it back to it again, and then you, you picked up Stastny, and the team picked up. So maybe you know we were looking ahead to the deadline, maybe something like that. We have to look to look forward to, but we have to look forward to that because that's if we continue like we are, we're not going anywhere. Well, well we look like a hockey team right now that's predominantly living off its talent and re- and waiting for the talent to to break open an opportunity and get back into a hockey game or create uh you know create a lead for them uh you know early in games and 
the style of play that we've been relying on has is nowhere near, as you say, Scott, what we had last year, and and frankly, nowhere near a, a championship caliber team. There's a level, a level of apathy almost uh, in terms of their play, and 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 uh, you know you can't sit back in this league and expect talent alone to win. Uh, you know, go to where the Jets want to go, and and hopefully that's a deep run into the playoffs. So. Uh, it's it's a tough time for them, and 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 I think a trade is needed, if to nothing else, shake up the shake up the group and get you know a different perspective amongst the players uh, to drive uh, you know a, a different level of uh, accountability within the room because they've got to get it going. You can't switch, turn the switch on um, uh, in early April and expect things to be all all better and and uh, running on, on all eight cylinders. Well, um, back to the special teams. Um, now, the power play's in a funk, and there's no doubt about it. I think they're, what, 0 for 17 or 0 for 19 or something like that on the power play. But they're still uh, ranked fourth in the league. Uh, they Hopefully they'll get out of it if uh, when Pomo gets the, uh, the proper configuration back together. But uh, my concern for the last year and a half has been their PK. I don't like it. I hate how passive it is. I love when they pressure a little bit, but in the last two weeks, they've dropped from 12th to 21st. You know, um, I mean, Ottawa's really exposed uh, the PK, but, like, it's just a funny thing is everybody seems to be, everything seems to be slumping at the same time. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, Shifley and Wheeler on the PK because the way we play passive, I don't need those guys getting one teed up off their ankle and they're out for the series, but... Uh, I, and I, I don't mind it when they're maybe down a goal because they can maybe bust one loose. But, uh, Scott, what's your biggest concern? Would you think it's uh, just the funk of the power play or the the rapid decline and the, the pass the passiveness of our uh, penalty kill? Well, a combination of both. But uh, there's no doubt. They, I, I, the penalty killing has bothered me for, uh, like you said, you said a year and a half, but it's at least that because of the... Uh, the passiveness of, is not. I'm I'm a person though that likes aggressive penalty killing. So yep. obviously I don't, I've never liked this. And they've talked about the you know the shots being from the outside, the right kind of shots. We have goaltenders saying uh, you know Hellebuck said, oh no, I like the shots from out there. You know we're happy to take away. The seams are taken away. However, there's been breakdowns in that from time to time. So um, there's been a little bit of chasing around going on. So it, it, in some of the games I'm kind of wondering. Are they trying to change to be a little more aggressive, but they don't know what to do? Um, yet, you know, they get end up going back to that passiveness. That teams are now being able to find whether they're looking for that deflection from the through the middle of the ice. Uh, they're able to find those seams, and, uh, and and they're getting maybe a little bit of puck luck with that on a run because maybe some of this will regress a little bit. I don't know that they're the 21st team in the league penalty killing wise but they certainly aren't where they were at the start of the year when they were playing like that when they they got on a nice run where you know they were sitting in the top 10 and it was driving me crazy because i'm thinking i this isn't going to work for the rest of the year right so i'm i'm i I would prefer you mentioned shifley and wheeler i don't have a problem with them on it when they're aggressive because they're not sitting back taking block shots like you say right and and they're they're very good at when they're when they're aggressive they're very good at it very dangerous so i have no problem with 30 seconds or 25 seconds of them if they're going to force but they you know then the next group comes out and is passive you you really can't teach that kind of thing because the defensemen don't know who's out there and maybe only one of the players is of the two is out there so 
you know, or my Passover, that, that just gets too confusing for players, no matter uh, NHL guys or not. So I'm, I'm, I would prefer that they, that I've been saying it from day one, uh, the, since I've watched this passive stuff, I like pressure hockey. When it's done properly, it makes teams make two to three really, really good fast passes that have to be on the tape or you break or it's broken down for you. And if they even can get that pass away. Uh, the first one. So I, I'm in agreement that I much prefer to go to that pressure system. I don't see it happening. I, I, I mean, Maurice is uh, stubborn as a mule, as we know, so I, I certainly don't see something like that happening. Although I have seen at times him talk about how they need more pressure. So I'm, I'm, I get confused by what I'm seeing and what he says at times. And it's not just in that. But uh, as far as the power play goes, uh, get Liney back on the power play. Quick farting around with this yep. silly Rostovic uh, thing and I, I mean they've started to get it back there again but let's start working on that again and let's get a little more creative you can't just have Wheeler sitting on the puck everybody knows what's going to happen there they need more rotation they need more uh, and so that's fine but you still need Liney to be drifting and he needs to work his whole area up and through the, uh, the up to the up to the blue line and yep. down yep. to the low zone a lot better than he does too so there, there's a lot of problems that we can sit here and pick away for you know half an hour just talking about this so i'll just turn it over to daryl here well the power play to me is 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 kind of emblematic of their entire game it it's it's lacked speed it's lacked uh you know the puck movement that we saw early the rotation that you just alluded to there was a lot of movement in the in the jets power play early in the season when it was consistently dangerous and and certainly everybody makes adjustments to to pressure you and to do different things, but it just it's incumbent upon us to sit back and and uh, make the adjustments on the other side, and that's getting back to quick passes. Now, having Bufflin gone for as long as he has been, notwithstanding he, he came back for a brief uh, visit, um, you know he was a key element to to that to that style of play of being able to make those quick passes create the rotation his skating ability so i think a lot of what has ailed uh the jets power play has been the result of bufflin not being up on top and they haven't made the adjustments uh, accordingly so speed is key in and and rotation and movement and and we haven't seen that in the power play or in the style of game that they've been playing at five on five so to me it's it's all comes back down to speed for them and playing fast Absolutely. Um, the Buffalo, sorry. Uh, go, go ahead, Scott. Bufflin is is the key uh, to that to me. Like Manny, I totally agree with him. Um, yeah. Yeah, you need a right shot there because of the setup. Uh, you need that pass to be able to come quick. As much as I love Morrissey, and especially you, Mitch, <laughs> um, you, you, to, to take that puck and have to turn it and, and pass it over, it has to be a right shot. Truba doesn't have the Bufflin skills to get that done quickly and it doesn't have the rocket that Bufflin has either. You could create a bunch of lefties. You can get Perot, Ehlers, Connors engaged with Morsi at the top as your second line and, and create some of that if you so wish. But that right Absolutely. shot is that right shot is key. And, and he's the best guy for it. Well Scott, you mentioned Line A and we've we've all said that, you know, Line A should be back in his regular spot on the left side there and get setting up for that one timer. And I mentioned in my random thoughts today that, uh, you know, in a, in a league and in, in just in a society, in a sports world in general, it's in that what have you done for me lately world, uh, I'm just shocked and kind of proud of Winnipeg fan base 
how they've stuck by Patrick Liney. Like he is struggling mightily. Body language isn't good. He's very frustrated. He's a he's a bewildered young man right now. And there's a small percentage of the fan base and the you know the hockey community at large that are a little bit down on him, but you can just like just watching the games on TV, you can feel the fans willing him to to push him over the edge, like just wanting to explode for him to get that next goal. And I have to admit, you know, like I don't know how many players like you have to be a pretty special player to to command the type of loyalty that he's getting right now from the Jet fans because it's been forever since he's done anything and it even it's probably it's probably not as bad as it seems but because uh, he has had some good games and he's had some good looks but also too he's had a few games where he's looked a little bit lost over there and uh, just wanted to you know what your thoughts are do you think um, you no know, do you think that maybe the coaching staff or the fan base should be a little hard on him I, I don't think they should that's just my take on it and uh, especially with a 20 year old I'm not, uh, I don't believe that they should be any harder on them at all. I, I was very impressed, just like I saw what you had written there earlier in the day, Mitch, but, and I like that. And uh, the, the, I do remember, remember him coming up the ice the one time, I forget which game it was, uh, at home, obviously, and the fans all started, got up, started cheering. And he was, as he was rolling through the middle of the ice, and I, I felt really proud like I, i'll knock jets fans when i, I believe they're misbehaving but uh, uh i certainly loved what i what i saw there and heard there and and this is what this kid needs i mean you, you know he's built on confidence and if we look back to ourselves at 20 if, i know there's keyboard warriors out there that i've seen that want them in the press box and on on the fourth line and i just think that's ridiculous talk i what I do believe he needs is from the coaches, though, uh, and that means and that means finding him the right people to play with, because he's too important to just leave on his own. I know Maurice wants him to work it out, and I know there's a lot of people that out there that will say, "Well, yes, uh, you know, I, I go to work every day. Nobody gives me a break. Uh, I gotta work my way through stuff." Uh, but this is a special talent that we need as part of the hockey club as part of the whole team framework that need we need for the playoffs. We need this man to be scoring goals. And so we, I would be building around him first right now at this point, and then working from there back and let the other guys fall in line until we get this guy rolling again. It, it's about confidence until we get him some confidence. Uh, and it may not happen on the power play. You can't just use this one horse pony thing. I think there's a, we've got enough talent out there to let him play and find himself at 5-on-5. Five five. One of the challenges with having a team so loaded with talent, and I think we would all agree that, you know, one lines one through four or, you know, roster position one through 23, we've got the most talent we've ever seen on, on, on this squad. And, and unfortunately, some of it's young and under pressure, uh, self-imposed or otherwise, they divert to trying to do things by themselves and you see that with our younger players over the last few years and it's part of the growth process that they need to use the players around them more and I think you know if there's any criticism that I would have of line a that would be it that he doesn't use his players as much and that's a derivative of him feeling the pressure to do something create uh, score goals do whatever and he's not that kind of guy right like he's not the guy that should be rushing up and down the ice and carrying the puck trying to make plays at the blue line that get turned over go the other way that's not his strength so he does need to get get positioned with with players that can fit his strength and and 
and I think uh, you know Scott, you're bang on. We got to build around him as opposed to building away from him, or him being taken away from from some of these players. But his only his the thing he needs to do is use the players that he's with, give and goes. Uh, you know all of those standard uh, tactics that that come into play. He's got to use them and use them well. And and I think uh, he's getting close. I, I really believe he is. His games are, are far better than they've been, you know, the last two or three compared to the previous ten. And so I think he's trending the right way. And a little puck luck would, would help here too. Oh, for sure. That's yeah, that's... Oh, no. I, I, that puck luck is a, is a thing. I think, well, the funny thing is that, that San Jose game where he got pulled off the power play after that was one of his best games in quite a while. Yeah. So, so I, I put that on the coaching. You know, I, I, I find myself defending Maurice a lot. Uh, I was a critic when uh, they didn't make the playoffs of his big time. I thought he deserved it. Uh, I've, I've got to a point where I'm going, I, I find myself now because there's a fire Maurice crowd out there, what I think, which I think is ridiculous. So I find myself defending him, but he, Maurice does have his holes, does have his uh, old school ways that still, um, I think he can improve upon. I think he's a smart enough guy to do that. I, I, you know, I just hold out hope that I've seen, I've seen him change in some ways. I just need to see him change in more. And I think he can become particularly relevant here of what we're talking about. Great. Um, we had talked earlier, I think uh, Daryl and I talked about it also, you know, all, this, all, the, you know, all the trade deadline stuff and Jet fans are all got themselves in a tizzy over the Ottawa guys. But I think the, the three of us all acknowledged earlier on that our number one need was probably a defenseman, and we all had our hopes kind of pinned on Jake Muzzin. I was I was of the belief at the time that I, I, don't, I didn't understand why L.A. wanted to move Muzzin, especially when he had term. But uh, the Leafs, uh, Toronto stepped up to the plate. They got him. He was number one on my wish list. So the question I have for you guys, I, I think that was our number one need. Our back end needed some improvement. I still think it does till this day. Is it smart for Chevy, and we have no idea what he's doing, it's so quiet, you know, the, the news coming out of the, the ivory tower there at True North is so quiet, but um, should we be uh, blowing the wad on trying to pick up a Deshane or a Stone or, you know, even a Hayes, whoever, a Nyquist, um, is improving our forwards enough to get us over the hump where we mortgage a little bit of future? I have no problem with giving up a prospect or a pick, if it's a real a real need, and I you know I, I was looking for the free agent list today, and unless they're Chevy's trying to make a pure hockey trade, I don't see a defenseman out there that's that's really going to help us. Now, in saying that, there's a couple like a Joe Pesci or whatever Pesci or whatever from Carolina, but uh, we don't need another right-handed D. That's we're we're just so top-heavy there. Um, is it a wise move for us to go all in here right now? If uh, you know, if we don't think that this team has a Stanley Cup contending blue line, I'm 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 in on this, and but I do get your point, Mitch, because I'm in uh, probably more so because I realize what's coming ahead of us uh, with the salary cap uh, problems that are looming. Uh, so I, I believe this is one of the year. Uh, this is the year, actually, that's probably going to see the most talent come through here. It may not be distributed exactly as uh, as we'd like, but I'm into the point where I'm at the point where I'm looking to say, you know what? If we get enough power up front, I've seen uh, teams like Pittsburgh uh, stagger through the playoffs because they were so powerful up front and with uh, just a so-so defense. 
and, and good goaltending and, and win a cup. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at guys like Mark Stone because of the how great the players are that are available. I'm willing to go and say, yes, give me Mark Stone, especially if we can get him wrapped up for a number of years. And I'm then that's another conversation about who you're willing to give up. And I'm willing to give up somebody's fairly substantial that's uh, you know, younger uh, to do that. But uh, uh, so, I, yeah, I, well, I get totally get what you want. I was a big Muslim fan. Muslim was my number one target by far over any forward at all. Um, but once we lost him, I don't, I like you, don't see any other guy looming out there that, unless, like you say, a hockey trades out there, we're not seeing him or we're missing a guy like Statsny, but I don't even see that uh, being possible. I, I scouted around the league to look for that quickly and I didn't see anything earlier today, but uh, um, certainly I'd love to shore that up. Uh, we're not getting anywhere. Uh, we're going to, I mean, we're, we're going to get somewhere, but we're without Niku being given a chance this year which is really a sore point <laughs> with me um uh, I, he should have been in my mind he should have been given a chance to run uh, well i was there january my, with my mother and uh, watching him play and you know with against vegas and uh, anaheim we, we caught him looking pretty darn good i'm looking looking like he was getting better every game i watched him fairly closely and he was Looking, the, I could watch the way he was reading gaps and, and looking to come up high up into the play. And because he's got so much confidence in his skating ability, he was able to almost come right up to the forward where he was to, to then bring himself quickly back. And I, you could see he was learning. In his, I could, it, to me, it was a learning process for him that he was doing on his own here. And I was really looking forward to seeing him get a bunch of games there. I was talking to Robert Cleave at the... At the uh, Game, well, one game, and we were talking about this, and I went, and we're saying, yeah, hopefully Maurice will see this that you know this guy is is looking to get better, and we need him in the lineup. But you know, alas, not uh, with Paul. Uh, he's got you know that veteran presence of Joe Morrow and Ben Sherratt that he can't get over. So <laughs> we are what we are. Yeah, and you know, I've I've scoured the potential free agents, UFAs, RFAs that haven't signed all, you know, are going into a signing period. I don't see a lot outside of this group of Ottawa senators that uh, I think would be a good fit for us. And, and, and uh, so I, I'm in the camp with uh, Scott on this one is, you know, we've got to go for it. The window of opportunity is too short. Um, and I, th- I, I can't help but wonder if, there's not a big deal brewing here that is you know, it's not hard to figure out we've got an x amount of dollars in cap and uh available to make a a trade deadline deal you'd think that if it was a one for one or one for two or three players whatever it's going to be um that it would be done already right so it's to me the deal is that maybe he is trying to re-sign stone in the in the background maybe He's trying to re-sign Duchesne in the background to create something that he can, uh, and, and he, as in Chevy, can tangibly sell to his hockey organization that, you know what, yeah, we're giving up some talent and some picks, but we've got Matt Duchesne or Mark Stone tied up for the next five, six, seven years, whatever it may be, and they're going to be part of our core going forward. So, um I, I personally, I think Stone is the guy we need, and even though he's not the center, I think he brings way too much on both sides of this of uh, of the um, 
the equation defensive and offensively that he's probably the right guy given that we can't shore up defense we need a forward that's going to contribute on the defensive side as well and I think he's the better fit in that regard so um, he's my guy uh, in in this equation and 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 I think we do have to go start pushing some chips in to to push this team over the top right. and when I say over the top the next one or two years in this window to be right there with a chance to win right uh, my apologies to uh, Brett Pesci who I call Joe Pesci I guess I was I, I just I just finished watching JFK again for the tenth time, so I, I, well, I wish you guys would have. But well, cousin Vinny was on on the weekend, so it's kind of funny. Yeah, there must have been a Joe Pesci weekend. Yeah, Manny kind of got into this, and it was going to be my next question. So, but I'm still going to ask it anyway. Now, let's take the the Mark Stone is from Winnipeg factor out of this whole equation, okay? And ask the honest question: um, whether it be rental, long term, whatever, which of Matt Duchesne or Mark Stone gives us the better chance to get the cup? Scott, you first. Well, Mark Stone. Okay. Uh, just from, I, I, I'll just go with what uh, Manny just said, so I won't take that long. He's, he's, this is defensive play that will help since we're not going to be able to get that left shot defenseman. So we think, anyway, um, if we can't get them, then we need uh, we need a guy that's responsible defensively. Deshane isn't that. Uh, as simple as that. He's a great offensive player. Um, uh, Brian Little needs uh, some a play driver, but Brian Little can still be a second line center uh, with the fallout bringing Mark Stone into the lineup because Mark Stone's a tremendous player both on both sides of the puck. And uh, I'm right with Manny. He's the man. And he's got a, you know, he doesn't have a gloss chin either, right? So he's got a little grit there. So <laughs> little reference to Buffalo in there. But um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he's the guy, you know, I've, I'm just going to, you know, repeat myself here. But I think that's the type of player we need to bring in. If we can't get a centerman that fits that, that driver type of mold, then, then the next best thing is a Mark Stone. And, and I really think he's the best, the best option that's out there. Uh, amongst all the forwards that are available, and 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 that's, uh, I think that says a lot about Mark Stone, and not necessarily about you know a Duchesne or some of the other quality players that are out there. I think he's but, the best guy out there. Yeah, for sure. I, can I just add something? I'm just wondering about you. What you guys think of? Because I like Kevin Hayes. I think because of the price, if the price is good, all crazy here, which they quite easily could. You know, we we're in first here it seems with Ottawa, but. You know, Vegas will try to screw up the deal, or Nashville is going to be in playing hard at this, uh, along with a number of other teams. Uh, what if Kevin Hayes comes into play? Well, I mean, the- I, I like Hayes. He's he's a, not just a big body. He's got good hands. He's got a decent sense for the game. Um, if, if the price was right, if everybody goes crazy on these first players, are they, are they going to have any actual competition on a guy on the second tier like he is in? I'd be willing to take a shot at him. What do you guys think? Well, that was, that was kind of funny, Scott. That was actually my next question. So that was. Per- oh, sorry, Mitch. No, no, that's perfect timing because you, you've, you've answered part of it. And I was going to say, you know, the Winnipeg Jets fan base right now was just so zoned in on the Ottawa guys. I mean, there's a chance they could get re signed, there's a chance that uh, somebody else can put together a better package. And then, you know, heaven forbid we don't get i mean i just hear the thud in this city if we don't get mark stone and or uh <laughs> a duchene but who's the next best option out there i was gonna say you know is it hayes is it a gustav nyquist is it zingle 
Um, you know, I don't think we're in on Panarin, but uh, there's a there is a whole bunch of decent um, forwards out there that could be probably had for a reasonable price. So, okay, so Scott, you've mentioned, hey, is anybody else? And then man, you could take over after that. Well, I guess Hayes would be, and and I'll be honest, I have not seen enough of Hayes to to really say uh, that I don't think he would or he would be a great fit. I, I but I think I think this is a time for Chevy to really don't. He can't miss out on on the opportunity with Stone. He got pushed away from his number one guy last year, and and, and as it turns out, it was a blessing. Yeah. But I'm not sure there's a you know I'm not sure there was a blessing or there's a blessing in disguise somewhere this year uh, like Astastny was. Uh, but I think you know I'm not going to be upset if Chevy doesn't get Stone, but I really think he's got to continue to push the envelope and get this player. Um, but a Kevin Hayes does. There's something about him that you know, in terms of size, that that is certainly attractive. Would fit our mold uh, in terms of wanting to play, you know, big and fast. Um, so, you know, that certainly is an intriguing option. Zingle, on the other hand, he was very quiet and average in these two games against Winnipeg. And although he had points, like that's the weird. So maybe that should be an indicator that this guy's talent is far better than perhaps I'm, you know, giving him credit for. But Hayes would probably be in that next tier uh, of a player. And I think if we don't go with Stone, we have to find a centerman. So let that be our guiding light, maybe. Scott? I agree. I'm I'm there for... uh, Manny brings a good point up, though, too. It also reverts to... Uh, okay, how far, uh, how, how much he can pay, in my mind. Uh, and I'm thinking Hayes is a cheaper guy. And since we didn't get that defenseman, I, I guess it was you, Mitch, that actually brought it up originally, you know, should we go after a forward? Uh, so how, we, to Manny's point, we should be going after the best forward out there available and give it everything we got to get to Stone. But uh, to me, I, I just wonder, I, I'm willing to take a, a shot at Hayes in behind at the right price, mind you. And maybe I'm thinking too cheaply, but I'm, when I keep looking at the top-end guys, I mean, Panarin would be an awesome guy to put in our lineup, no doubt. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I, 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 but I'm thinking that price is going to be extraordinary to pay for him. And you're not getting a guy that can play both ends of the ice as well, close to what Stone can play. Right. Uh, well, you know, I, and the only reason I bring this up is I'm I'm like you guys. I am I'm all in also, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. Got to ask the question, right? And uh, you know, I have history watching Mark Stone since he was a 14 year old, and he's always been that guy that's uh, you know he doesn't catch your eye at first glance until you watch him play and you start to appreciate what he actually is because he's not the best skater. Um, he's got great hands. He's uh, he plays a he plays a sound like you know it's tiring to hear, but he does play the two hundred foot game. So, yeah, for me, he's this, it's the same thing. He's my number one guy in the wish list, and I I just think that this whole fan base is so ramped up, and they're so everybody is all in on Stone. And if we don't get him, I hope Chevy has a plan B. Uh, he can't. I don't want to hear that you know, we were in on this guy and we were in on that guy, but the prices were too high. You know, it's uh, you know it's either you're in or you're in the way. You got to make make a play. Let's get it done. There's a week to go. I think if the Jets get a Mark Stone, and we're going to just key on him for now. I don't think it's going to be next Monday. I think it's done by Thursday, Friday, 
And uh, like me and Scott had talked about yesterday, um, teams don't want to do this yet because Ottawa's still trying to get him re-signed. So they're not going to give the Jets permission to talk to his agent and then try to work out a sign-and-trade type of deal or a trade-and-sign, however you want to say it. But it would behoove them to look at it. If Stone is adamant that uh, he's not going, he wants to go to a free agency, let the Jets uh, have a talk with him. And all it does for Ottawa is it just ups their, doesn't up their price, but it ups their, uh, you know, their what they're going to get back. I mean, if you got cost certainty, you know what you're paying for uh, <laughs> Stone for the next uh, four, five, six years, whatever they signed him for, they're going to get a good return. Now, you know, now the, some of those prospects that we don't want to get rid of for a rental become, they come into play now, like, Veselainen, like, would you do a first rounder, Veselainen and Roslovic, if for Stone as a hockey trade versus a rental trade? Scott, let's, let's start right there. Like, what do you think Stone is worth as a rental? What do you think he's worth as a six year sign, re sign? I think they go for Kyle Connor. Really? And I, I, I'd be willing to, t- I'd be willing to trade him. I would rather I would rather go that route. Uh, Connor's going to cost a ton of money next year. Uh, that will offset the I, I, because I'm looking at what what we need cap wise uh, with that sign and trade, right? So we're going to be giving up Connor. Uh, it, it, I mean, it gets complicated. I mean, I've been working. I worked around this a little bit uh, with, on a on a pad here uh, a couple days ago, but. If, if I'm one of those ones, okay, if you're going to give up Veselainen and Roslovic and a first-round pick, you know what? Uh, to me, I think Kyle Connor does that trick very well. And as good as Kyle Connor is, um, Mark Stone's a better player at this point. I think that's probably going to be controversial. People think I'm nuts. But um, you're going to have to deal with somebody uh, out this summer. And giving up, I'd rather give up Kyle Connor over doing what you're suggesting with the first round and the two prospects. Okay. It seems like the I'll going price, though. It seems like the going price is a, a draft pick, a roster player, and a prospect, right? Like for the rental market in a lot of ways. And and if you can up up the price, or sorry, up your offer to be a little bit better than just that, and and maybe this is where Scott's going with a a Connor. You give away a pick and a player, and you actually save a save a prospect and or a a current player, right? So. It might be to your advantage that way going down the road, but I, there's a I lot of options. Up. Does the price not go way up with a signed Mark Stone? Oh yeah. That, 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 that now you're trading Mark Stone with seven or seven years term. Absolutely. That, that's who you're trading it for. It does go up. We, we negotiated the contract. Absolutely. That's who you're trading for in my mind. Yeah, if you if you're if you're going to sign and you're prepared to pay pay more than what's being asked or or meet the price that's being asked to to get the player, so I would tend to agree there. Right. Um, <laughs> but but here's the thing. So here's a I'm I'm going to do a little big picture sort of review of what this might look like here too because. The window is only well. Let's agree on what this window of opportunity for the Jets is. Is it three years? Sure. Two years. Go stay three. If whatever that is, every year that when you've got guys like Line A Connor Ehlers uh, playing in your in your core, and you you know we saw what happened to Ehlers last playoff. We saw some, you know, 
Connor wasn't exactly a dynamo in the playoffs either. If those guys don't have a good playoffs, there's another year of your window gone. And and you've got a lot of youth in there. So I would I guess I'm prepared to give up some of that youth to ensure that that what is already a short window is the most effective um, opportunity or that your roster is the most effective that it can be within that window because we're going to lose some of these good players at some point in the next uh, three or four years hmm. what do you think about that the window is funny because it's a uh, uh, you know it's like I think it reaches one of those questions approaches one of those questions do you want to be great for three years or do you want to be like San Jose good for eight to ten years yeah right and so basically you have a choice and there's a lot of fans out there that are are happy to not get anybody and that's fine for them if they want to be like San Jose and be a contender every year do you want to be rated in the top one or first or second overall going into it for the next three years and that's where I prefer that's where that gives you the best chance of not being that perennial uh, oh boy geez you know hopefully next year kind of thing even though you went in knowing you had the seventh to tenth best shot at it right. I think our our scouting group has proven that it's it can source talent right dark horse mm-hmm. uh, off the chart talent uh, you know starts with Shifley who was not as high you know highly uh, uh, scouted as as we picked them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and on and on. So with that being the fallback, I think it's an easier discussion to have about let's win right now. You know, if if you know that you've got that kind of skill set in the in the background on your on your scouting staff, uh, you know, you can look at other organizations that have had the number one pick forever and still can't get get it right. You know, like so, you know, it kind of looks good on those guys in northern Alberta. But there you go. <laughs> uh, just uh, just before we wrap it up, I want to ask you kind of a guys kind of a tongue in cheek question here. Uh, Don Cherry really ruffled some feathers this weekend with his coach's corner, so I'm just going to ask you the question and take it with the in spirit it's intended. Uh, what do you guys think is worse right now, uh, staged fighting or staged post game celebrations? <laughs> staged fighting. I'm done. <laughs> Well, I got no problem with that. What Don Cherry? I mean, not, you know, Cherry's doing what he does. So he's an entertainer, right? So he took his, so he took his little point, which you know is absolute craziness in my mind. Although he's got a lot of people that agree with him out there, and that's fine. But you know what? They're having fun. The players are having fun. The coaches are having fun. The fans are having fun. It's an entertainment business. So since everybody's having fun and Grapes is moaning about it, that makes me feel even better. Him and Brian Burke can just twist in their chairs. <laughs> Manny? If, if, if the issue was that uh, they went started these celebrations when the opposing team is uh, still skating off the ice, I'd have a problem with it. Uh, but that's not the case. I think this, this is... Uh, entertainment. This is good entertainment. I I don't really have a whole bunch wrong with it, um, and uh, so for me, it's it is what those guys are doing, and that's fine. That's what they feel they need to do, and good on them. It's uh, it it doesn't affect me one way or another. Well, that's the, that's exactly my point. It doesn't affect me because I don't. I'm not forced to watch it. And if I was at the game, um, I know when I go to hockey games, if the game is in doubt. I'm out of there so I can get to my beat the beat the traffic anyway. So, all the power to them if the fans want to hang out after and have a have a little bit of fun with it. 
go for it. I, I wouldn't do it personally. I don't say anything wrong with it. Um, it doesn't affect me here in Winnipeg or in Arizona when I'm there or any anywhere else. Uh, we had our shtick for a while, didn't we? Yeah. With, the, uh, the, our little chants and all the rest of it. Which yeah. Is, yeah. It was a good sure. spirit. You know, like, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. So they, I would have no problem if the fans decided to get creative again. Well, here's the thing. It's Absolutely. Not, it's not meant it's for anybody else, right? Carolina. Yeah. It's That's not, right. It's not meant for anybody else. It's meant for their fans, and they're really they're the only ones who see it. And I bet you this. Here's the thing that's funny, is you guys, we all watch TSN3 when the Jets games are on. Once that Jets game is finished, those guys are gone to Sports Center. We don't see what goes up. They don't even show the three stars here. So I'm guessing the only people that see that are the people in the building. So why would you care? But in saying that, we've got time to wrap her up. Um, Scott, it was nice having you on this. Uh, just for our listeners, uh, you guys know the gig. Uh, you can subscribe to us at iTunes. Uh, catch us on Anchor FM. Click on the link at Winnipeg Hockey Talk Podcasts and uh, listen to us. Send us your comments, questions. You know, if you have any other special guests you'd like us to get on, it was awesome having Scott. Scott, we've talked about doing this for a long time. Um, it was better late than never, just waiting for the timing. And uh, it was nice having you on. I mean, we talk lots on Twitter and, uh, and other venues, and it's uh, uh, just nice to have, have you on with the uh, Daryl and myself and uh, get your insights uh, out there for our listeners yeah it was great Mitch uh, and Manny great to join you guys I listen to you all the time so now it's fun to be part of it here thanks for having me and we'd be remiss if we didn't say hi to Mrs. Campbell out there who absolutely listens, yeah, listens to mom. us hi mom she'll be listening she'll have listened <laughs> to us so. thanks a lot guys uh, let's uh, I had talked to uh, Pete Tessie I don't want to put any pressure on anybody here uh, depending on, like, if something big happens this week, Daryl, I think it'd be, we should probably get on it right away. I had talked to Pete about maybe next Monday after the deadline that evening sometimes if we kind of, you know, it, especially if something happens, if uh, we could get the four of us together and do a little quick little round table, a little half hour discussion on, on what happened or what didn't happen. So I'll leave that up to you guys. Sure. We'll get into contact about that. But, uh, uh, in the meantime, uh, uh, all, to all, our, all of our listeners, uh, actually, hopefully hope, hopefully, we do have to put something out there this week, which means Chevy's actually done something, or uh, at the latest... Let's not uh, go Nick, there. He's going to do something. Okay. Yeah, let's, not, let's not have a... No. Let's not still be that fun. I just don't want our fan base to be so disappointed, because right now, everybody's sitting on pins and needles just waiting for that announcement. So let's hope it happens and just leave it at that. Okay, guys? You got it. Have a good great evening, guys, and thanks for joining me. Take care, Matty.